But I sound fine, right? Yep. If you say so. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think everything's good. Uh, I'll, I'll keep her quiet. Okay. What are you, what are you jingling over there, Josh? It's my tortoise. I can't help it. Okay. Oh. She's walking around. Tortoise. That's funny. I'm trying not to, but or try, trying to have her not move, but it's impossible. She's a slow tortoise. How does she take so many steps? <laughs> ah. Tortoise. Joe is heavily medicated. All right. So does that mean you're going to go slower than usual or faster than usual? Depends on the medication. <laughs> take it really slow. Sweet. So faster than normal. <laughs> I could go All right. full Kirk if you really want it. Ooh, that could be fun. All right, check it out, guys. Look what time oh, it is. Oh, you ain't got to say it like All that. Tortoise. And now we're late. Okay. Of this is episode 364. Livestream information is at mintcast.org slash livestream. We're in the Mintcast channel in IRC at irc.spotchat.org. If you see something that you'd like to hear about, tell us. Send us email at mintcast at mintcast.org. Join us live on YouTube. Post at the Mintcast subreddit. Chat with us on Telegram, Discord, Facebook, or post directly at mintcast.org. This is Leo, and with me today is Josh. Hey, I'm back. Woo! Joe. Hello. And Tony Hughes. Hi, guys. We're recording on Sunday, the 27th of June. First up in our wanderings, I go eco-friendly. Josh's DHCP fails. Joe is heavily medicated. And Tony is playing with Endeavor OS while on holiday. Then in our news, Linux Mint Beta is out. Rocky Linux is official. And Elementary OS tries Beta 2. 2. 2. 2. Pretend there's music. <laughs> so the past couple of weeks, I've been fighting and fighting and fighting. Okay, so I told y'all um, uh, I had a single fan, 120 millimeter, um, all-in-one liquid cooling solution thing. Well, it turns out I didn't actually have to change it um, because 90 is not bad. So the, the backstory is I have an AMD uh, 5800X. By the way, Josh, what is, what is your sit at temperature-wise? Did you test it? Uh, mine, mine typically sits at less than like 80 when I'm like okay. full, full bore. Like that's full bore. That's on not, a game, right? Yeah, on a game. Like usually mine's on idle around like maybe like 30-some, maybe 40 yep. at the most. All right, so uh, have you tried, like, Prime 95 or Stress in Linux? Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. When I talk about full tilt, when I say full tilt, uh, I usually mean, like, some sort of stress test. Got like, it. So what are, you, what are you cooling it with? That, uh, it's an Arctic 34 freezer, and it's the one with only one fan. It, there's one with two fans, and uh, to be honest, the test results were, like, two degrees Celsius difference, and I could save, you know, okay. five bucks, so I went with yeah, the one fan version. I think we uh, we talked about this. Ew. I Ew, love it. I was, I was totally blown away because before this, I had a w fully water-cooled, custom water-cooled system. And um, you... not on this CPU, but on my previous oh. uh, computer. And I thought I was going to have to do the same for this one. but uh, And a 5800X, really? Mm-hmm. 
Wow, very cool. Maybe I'll try this one out. But uh, anyway, so I got the uh, the Cooler Master Hyper 212, blah, blah, blah. Uh, that finally came in, and it did keep me under 90 at full load. So I was, I was happy about that. It was like in the uh, upper 80s, still a little hot. But it's okay. It'll work. And what's your what's your fan configuration for your PC? The whole thing is it like pull? Is it push? I mean, sorry, uh, is it is it static pressure or is it is it blowing in or is it blowing all of them out? The so I've got I've got more air coming into the case um, than than blowing out. So it should have that that static pressure. I think is what that is. Right, so I mean, right? Like by default, the case is expelling air. Have you? Oh, okay. So it's pulling the air out of the case. They're all facing uh, not, out. No, not with fans. So right. I'm pulling enough air in that uh, oh, it's that every the hole air out of the crevices, any crevices right. that it has. Okay, exactly. So yeah. Have you tried now, a different configuration with that? I haven't because uh, this is the only configuration that I have air directly blowing on the things that are hot. Okay. So uh, that's that's my biggest deal. And then I've got air pulling up out of the top, like there right. are fans on top pulling up, uh, pulling air up. Oh, okay. Uh, it, All right. It doesn't seem to be that. It seems to be the the heat sink itself, or the uh, the ability for the heat sink to actually pull heat off of the yeah. CPU. Uh, and that's with your water I mean, cooler, right? Well, no. So I've uh, that one was letting me sit at ninety. It was. Um, I assume it was throttling at that point. Yeah. But uh, with the Hyper Two Twelve, which is just it's it's like your cooler. Um, I've got a right. fan blowing onto the heat sink, and then a fan pulling air from Outside. the heat sink. So yeah, in the back two. or in the front? Uh, both. Right. Okay. So just like yours, right? You have the one fan. I've got two. Right. So the, the front fan pulls it in, the back fan. Oh, on the cooler itself. Yeah. And then yes. you have a fan on the case that blows air out uh, of your no, case behind that? No. Just simply because the air is already going. You could put your hand at the back of the case and, and you, you can feel, feel it. it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Just okay. a ton of it. So there's enough static so, pressure to push the air through. Yeah. So uh, that's what's. Uh, yeah, I don't know. But the 5800, apparently, as I've gone down this rabbit hole, is notoriously hard to cool. But I found, I think it was PC World or PC Mag, one of those, where they interviewed the marketing guy for the, for the whole Ryzen 5 series. And he said, it's not a big deal. Like, sitting at 90 uh, under full load, not a big deal. We designed it that way. So I was worrying about this because from all the CPUs that I've come from, anything above 70 is it's getting toasty. You yeah, probably need to look at... You a need to look your, at what's going on. A lot of your newer CPUs and even your newer graphics cards are being designed to run at higher temperatures because, yeah. well, there's more power going through. Yeah, them they're pushing and, it pretty right. hard. Yeah. And, I mean, I'm not really worried about it when I'm gaming. I don't think it ever topped 75 during a game of any kind. Yeah, you know? that, that sounds but, good. That sounds perfect, actually. Right. And uh, what I uh, during handbrake, like uh, transcoding videos, things like that, it'll hit mid-80s now. Uh, before on the uh, the water cooler, it would hit 90. But now it's in the 80s. But the fact that I know now that it's not a big deal for, hit to, for it to hit 90, uh, I could have just kept the water cooler and been fine. But Yeah, but if it's throttling at 90, though, the, you, you, you're losing yeah. performance at that point. So you want to keep it a little cooler. Well, so here's the deal. Um, you don't really lose that much performance if you cut it. So there are eco modes that AMD has that the motherboard supports, that the, that the chips support. It's called AMD Eco, and the couple of options that I had, well, there were a ton of options, but the ones that I chose that were super easy were, um, it's a 105-watt CPU. You can cap it at 95 watts. And that, I've never seen it get above mid-80s. 
And that's, you know, transcoding video, doing mining or uh, using Prime 95 or anything like that. It, it sits at a cool, <laughs> cool 85. And then 65 watts, when you cap it there, um, I didn't see it go above 70 at all. But here's the deal, yeah. right? So a 1080p video that I was transcoding down to 720p, um, I went from a minute 47. That was the fastest. That was unthrottled, uncapped, 105 watts. 95 watts, two seconds. That's the difference. A two-second difference between uh, that, that same exact transcode. Oh, when I, okay. When I, I thought I you had two it, seconds like it did in two seconds. I'm like, wait a minute. Oh, hold on. no. No, no, no. So <laughs> it, was, it was two seconds slower, but I saved 10 watts on the top end, and I capped the temperature as well. As, uh, as well. So yeah, I, perfect. Crank, I cranked it down to 65. I think 65 is a sweet spot if you care about temperatures. I did not see it move over 60. It was like 68, 69, something like that. I didn't see it climb above that. And the transcode, uh, so compared to the 105 unthrottled whatever, uh, th- it was eight seconds difference. That was it. It took eight extra seconds to transcode that thing. I would not have noticed. I absolutely would not have noticed. So um, I'm okay yeah, with the 95. Even 20 seconds wouldn't have bothered me, to be honest. <laughs> I think the, the whole transcode took a minute 47, if I remember right. It was like a minute 40, high 40s. Yeah, and that was that, it. That's Two, perfect. Two seconds more for the 95 throttle or uh, cap and eight seconds more for the 65 watt cap. I, I would have been fine with any of those. That, that's, that's perfectly fine. And 65 watts, that cap, those are the temperatures I expect out of a CPU. So if it ever bugs me ever again, I'll just cap it at 65 and call it a day. Um, but I couldn't believe it. Uh, I didn't realize it was that easy to, to chill out a CPU. I didn't know those options existed until I saw someone talk about it. Um, how did you, a, uh, how did you get to those options? Are they in the motherboard? Uh, yep. Uh, so I got hmm. into the BIOS. Um, I went into advanced CPU. So you, you have to go you into have MSI, right? Yes. Do you? Okay. I have a gigabyte, so I don't know if I'll uh, have those options. Well, find advanced CPU options. Yeah. It's in there somewhere. And I'll be able uh, I can't to find remember. It. I'll take a, I'll take a picture of it, uh, later today. And I mean, not that it'll be called the same thing because everybody decides to call everything different, even though they're, yeah. they're the I'll, same exact thing. I'll be thing. able to find it. I'm sure I yeah. can Google it. I'll be like, yeah, right. easy. <laughs> but anyway, my, my heat woes are over. 95 watt cap is perfect. I think I'm going to leave it there forever. I can't notice a difference. I don't notice a difference in gaming. Uh, so yeah, I think it's good. I mean, it's sitting at 95 watts streaming this magical show straight to your eye holes. So. I think we're good. Anyway, so um, Josh, your internet is blowing up. I don't know what's going on. Uh, what's what's happening? Get us caught up. I I don't <laughs> know either, to be honest. <laughs> it's uh, it's the evil it's ISPs, con- man. What was that? It's the evil ISPs. They they do it to you every time. I, that's all I can say because I have no idea what's been going on. I my old modem was fine, and then I got this new modem. It's a Motorola MB eighty six hundred. It's for gigabit and all that stuff. I upgraded to gigabit. And ever since then, I've been having these issues where at first I noticed it when I would try to run my um, Echo. I would try to say the wake word, and then I would say what I want to do. And then it would sit there for 30 seconds, and it would flash, and then it would do nothing. And I'm like, huh, that's weird. Why is it doing that? So then later on, I was trying to um, use Element and uh, Matrix, and I noticed that it's kept trying to connect and it wouldn't connect right took like 10 seconds to actually connect and then every time i sent a message it would take 
you know, 10 seconds to send and all that crap. And I'm like, this is weird. So I look into the bio or yeah, the bios, the, um, error logs of my, uh, modem and I'm getting like tons of errors. I'm like, I'm looking at at least 25 errors right here. Whoa. And I, I had no, I had no idea where to start to look for this stuff. Cause I've, I searched it online. I, I did pretty much everything to find out what was going on. And there's so many different things that people have done to try to fix this that it's crazy. And it's like each one has like 10 different fixes, each error. So I'm like, I didn't even begin to try to go through all that. Because one guy actually said that he tracked it down, one of the errors, he tracked it down to it being a junction box in his neighborhood that was old. And they had to replace it. And I'm wow. like, okay. Hold on, wait. Are you telling me the ISP actually listened to a customer and, and like, After weeks and weeks of, of, oh, got it. Okay. of delegating or uh, whatever you call it, deliberating. Uh, yeah, so I don't know. Um, even uh, Dale um, said to me, Dale Miracle, he said um, that it could even be an old wire that they have going to, to my house. It, it's just not quite right or it's it's got uh, corroded or something like that. And just every so often it's giving a weird, you know, signal to the, to the modem. Got it. So I don't know. And then today I was looking at the logs and I was talking to Tony and I, I told him that the time's off on my, on my logs, on the errors. It says mm-hmm. it's going to happen three hours from now, the error. And I'm like, that's wrong. And then he mentioned that it could be a timing issue. And I had no idea to even, I didn't even think about that at all. So now I got, I'm going to have to call the ISP and see if that could be a problem. And maybe I can figure out a way to fix it there. So but at, at this point, I think clip. I'm going to have to call the ISP. <laughs> That's all here's I can a, think of. Is this uh did you say it's cable or fiber? This is, as far as I know, it's cable. Yeah, cable. Yeah. So these Motorola modems are actually fairly decent. Well, I yeah. have an Aris. Um, so, but it's like Aris Motorola or whatever. But right. you can actually. Where did you Where did you get those logs? By the way, um, I went into you know one one nine two one six eight one hundred dot one, and then I went yep, in there yep, and yep, the yep. event logs. Okay, cool. Yeah, that's exactly what I was gonna say. Uh, maybe there would be more info, but apparently not. This is the info. Yeah. Mm. So yeah, that's it, right? Sync time synchronization failure. Yeah, that that. that I wonder why you 11th. would be getting that. Yeah. What? I said I wonder why you would be getting that though. I don't know, but that's... that hasn't happened. Well, as far as I know, because it's it skips. Okay, it goes from May 11th. Then it mm-hmm. says on my logs, time not established twice. Then it mm-hmm. skips to May 12th. Uh, May 12th. Um, all these are critical errors and then two are time not established and then it skips to today, but I've been having issues since May 11th till now. And it's just, the logs are just not there. I I don't know. Maybe it can't hold them all, but it is Uh, now updated and on time today. No, no. Today, the error, it still says, it still says the error is going to happen at 1704 and it's 1515 here. (laughs) Okay. So. So did you buy this modem or is it Yes, provided? I did. I bought okay. this modem and I made sure that it was compatible with their thing, with their service. Did I you even called them compatible. New or did you buy it used? I bought it new. New. Yep. Big box or online? Online. Okay. Amazon? And it was from Amazon. Okay. Well, send it back. Try to get a new one. Yeah. Then he'll be, right. he'll be without internet for a little while. 
Do you still have your I old have, one? I have my old one. I can yeah. just hook it up, and I'll just get crappy speed for a while. So do they, do, they, do they allow you to do that? Uh, because I'll have the, to the call last... them up and I'll have to call them up and, and get them to redo it or, or reset right. it up. Is your old one Doxus three point one? Yeah, uh, three point oh. Uh, okay, so I don't know. My SP was giving me crap about uh, putting the old modem back in in an emergency or something like that, and they were like, "No, no, it's got to be Doxus three point one. We can't do that." What? So. That's Maybe. I mean, worst case scenario, you could ask them to downgrade your service if that is what yeah. I don't I don't know if you can just plug I'm, them up. I'm going to have to try something. Yeah. Honestly, you know what you should do is uh, you got Best Buy around you. Uh, I do. Yes. Just just get one and plug it in. And if it doesn't work, take it back. And if it does work, send the other one. Back. Oh, that's actually really. I didn't even think about that. That's a really yeah. good idea. That way, um, that way you're not out any time and everything's good. You still have yeah. to call because they have to get that <laughs> yeah. number. But do you think I should I should buy the exact same model and try it, or do you think I should buy a different model to see if it's well, if Micro the Center, or well, if your Best Buy has the exact same model, then buy the exact same model and accidentally take the wrong one back. No, because <laughs> they have to do the serial numbers on them. But what I would recommend seriously is um, go with Eris. I've never had a problem with them. Every time I thought it was the modem, it was the router or it was the ISP. Right. Every single right. time. I mean, this this last time, this last week, I had trouble getting the stream up and everything like that. I was like, oh, the ISP's messing with me, man. They're doing something horrible. I just needed to reboot my router. Hmm. Yeah, none of, none of that. It was none of that. It never <laughs> has been the modem. The only thing that's ever gone wrong with the modem is it got struck by lightning once. And that's Oof. because I'm an idiot. And didn't put the little coax in and out on the surge protector. Uh, so I got you. That was my fault. I don't know what modem I have. I know I bought it like five years ago at this point. Yeah, I've got an Eris. going pretty good. It's like yeah, I one never dot. had a problem with a modem, any modem I've ever used. And this one, for some reason, is just, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. And it's definitely supported by them because I looked on their website today and it's still supported. It's not like they dropped it or something stupid crap like that because i actually just saw that today where somebody actually had it dropped while they were setting it up and then they yelled at him for having a one that wasn't you know supported right i think this is what i've nope 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 6190 nope it can't be that one that must be the previous one that i had must be this one this is the one that i've got it ain't amazing but it works (laughs) now see it can't be because i don't have two ethernet ports but i know that i'm getting gig well, that's why I got this one because this one has four Ethernet ports on it. Oh, so you got gonna, the whole router gonna, thing going? Yeah, I was no, I was going to separate my my networks out. I was going to use all my IoT stuff on one network and you know all that stuff. But now I'm kind of like, ah, yeah, <laughs> I'm crazy with the whole thing. I swear this is the one. Maybe it's not. You know what's dumb about mine though? When you buy it from amazon it has a sticker on the back that only shows one port and you take the sticker off and there's four ports underneath it that actually work Mm. oh see yeah no this is the one that i've got and here's what's funny about it it says up here 960 megabits down and then on the box it says 1.4 gigabit (laughs) what i bought it because it said 1.4 gigabit maybe that's 1.4 on fiber and 900 on cable (laughs) <laughs> uh nishan asks which isp i'm on sudden link um they're big down here in the south and uh i don't what do y'all think about starlink speaking of internet uh, i don't know yet um when they get, i haven't i haven't seen enough of it yet to know to really get a good grasp when they get gigabit speeds i'll think about it so here's here's why i will not do uh starlink uh because it won't work uh in this it won't work for half the year 
because apparently once those Starlink dishes heat up to about 130 Fahrenheit, they stop working. And it's that That's the fun. whole summer in Texas. So, I mean, and summer lasts nine months. <laughs> okay, maybe not nine, but like it really is a long amount of time. I mean, seriously, you could no, consider it summer for six where months. It does last nine months. I mean, summer started in like April for us. We had 100 degree days in April around here. And it's not going to stop until probably around Halloween. So it's really hot a lot. And then the skies are really clear a lot. So the sun beams down a lot, which means that it's going to heat those dishes up a lot. And they were already having a lot of this trouble uh, earlier, a few months ago in Arizona and Nevada. uh, with the same problem where the dishes were heating up and it didn't work. So I would love to do Starlink. I just don't think it's feasible for me here. Wow. Yeah, like I said, I have to hear a little more about it. Uh, you know, it's too new for me. I don't, I don't like trying brand new stuff. Oh yeah, so it's it's hot in India as well. So yeah, yeah, it's it's just unfortunate that I feel like the engineers should have known that because we're very hot lately. I say that a lot of times <laughs> with engineers. I'm like, yeah, why didn't right, they yeah. know this? Yeah, <laughs> they're way smarter than me, and I thought of it. The oh, they thing is, they just didn't want you to know it until after you paid mm. for it. Yeah, but true. the daft thing is, Starlink was put in to try and reach parts of the world that didn't have wired connections, and most of those parts of the world are some of the hottest. Yeah. Yep, yeah. That's not a lie. <laughs> and you know what's funny about that is I, I know what, what part of the world you're talking about, Tony, but um, it, it's very similar. You drive 40 miles in any direction from where I'm at, and you're in that part of the world. There's, <laughs> there's not a whole lot, man. There's dial-up. And there's, there's crappy a reason Wimax. they put air defense artillery at Fort Bliss, and that's because it, well, is so similar to those nice warm places overseas where air defense artillery needs to go most of the time. Yeah. Well, hopefully in 2025, when Nishant said he uh, uh, might get it because he signed up, um, hopefully they'll fix those heating issues by then. They have to fix them. There's no way or else it's just not going to work. Right. Yeah, seriously. All right. So you've you've left us. You've left Ubuntu proper. What is going on? No, I, I didn't leave Ubuntu. I went back oh. to it. I oh. Went to, oh, I went to straight up Ubuntu because I needed ZFS. And I know I'm a ButterFS guy. I know. Mm-hmm. And I, mm-hmm. I still will not, you know, bat on it because it is good. It's just I needed reliable RAID 5. Right. And I don't trust ButterFS enough in RAID 5 to do that because they don't have the fix for the right hole where if you lose power, then the whole thing crashes while you're writing, uh, it, you know, to the disc. Right. Uh, but ZFS has that fixed so that if once, if it's, cra- if, blah, if it crashes while you're writing to the disc, it'll still continue from where it left off and you won't have a problem next time. Like How? what I mean by that is if you copy the data back to it, it'll say, Oh, this data is already here. Do you want to skip this and start from the, you know, where you were last left off? Oh, wait, so what you're saying is um, ZFS will literally write what it's already written, and then if you try the copy again from scratch, it'll just pick up where it left off. Right, right. It'll and, be and, like it'll be like the day it was already on the disk. Right. And so ButterFS won't do that? As in... Well, because of the write hole. That's what the write hole is, is, is if it loses power while it's writing in RAID 5 or RAID 6... It won't remember where it's at, and you'll lose everything that was being copied at, before that, before but, you, and then everything that's on the disk, like everything that's on the disk will be done. Oh, wait, the, the whole disk will yeah, die? Yeah, the whole disk, it, it, because the, the RAID will fail, 
and it'll just not mount, and you'll have to restart. Wow, it's just another reason never to use RAID, man. Yeah, but ZFS <laughs> has that fixed, so right. you don't have to worry about that with, with that, and that's why I used it. And I have found out that Ubuntu, um, straight up Ubuntu, is the best for ZFS because the other ones, um, you have to load the DKMS module, and if that's not up to date with your kernel... And mm-hmm. you have a newer kernel, it won't load the oh, ZFS right. module, and you're screwed because right. it's out of tree. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not even in the kernel. But has it in the kernel, every right. kernel, so it always loads. And I haven't had right. a problem so far. It's only been mm, three, four days, so <laughs> it hasn't been that long. But right. it's worked. Right. So I guess that's that's an interesting thing. Um, so and I just why? did it because I needed more space. That's why because I needed oh. more because I had I had everything in mirrors. And I'm like, man, right. it's like 80% full now. I, I need more space, and I, I can't afford drives right now. So I'm like, I'm going to do RAID 5 and, and just go with it. And yeah. I looked into ButterFS, and I'm like, oh, I just don't I just don't trust not having the right hole fixed yeah. because of that whole issue. So I'm like, I'm going to just go with ZFS and be done with it. Man, move that data soon. I, I mean, Just personally, I don't trust RAID enough. Because what, what what with RAID five you can lose one disk with RAID six you can lose two but you also you you give up more disk space to use RAID six in the first place yeah but right I mean are all of your disks like from the same generation or are they just kind of mishmash of all kinds of things my the three disks that are in my desktop are different they're all different from different times okay. the four I got from Dale I don't know if they're all the same disk or not I'm oh, not you sure. Have a- You've got a ton of disks. I see. Yeah, I have 10 in my whole system. So. Wow. Do you have that many SATA ports? Do you have to get a card for that? No, I have four that are outside of my, uh, on a USB hub. Oh, okay, cool, cool. So. Wow. All but right. but I, just, it only yeah, shows just... up as five disks because of the RAID. It only, you know, mounts five disks. Right. So. Man, I just do not. I don't know. I've been bitten by raid too many times, well, man. I have I have three backups of everything, so that is not. Three? I'm not too worried about that. I, I have wow. I have these two raids, and then I have at my parents' house. I have all my data on another raid uh, ten system, which I'm going to switch to raid five once I can figure out how to bypass the hardware raid controller because ZFS does not like when you use it with a hardware raid controller. Nope. Because the hardware RAID lies to ZFS, and it says, oh, the data's been written. Oh, but it's not written. So ZFS gets right. confused, and then everything craps the bed. <laughs> yeah. If you're lucky, that card will have a pass-through mode. Uh, I but hope if it, so. I, but I, if it I really doesn't, hope so. Yeah, if it doesn't, you're kind of uh, yeah, SOL Yeah, and I'm not that. trusting it. It's too old to, to really trust with RAID 5 at this point. I yeah. Just, I don't know. Yeah. And the, the age, that's another thing that gets me. I mean, if they're newer disks, the thing that'll bite you is if they're all from the same manufacturer right. and they all have a flaw. Right. But yeah, if they're all if well, they're mixed age, it makes me worry. Right. That's what yeah. I want to try to do. I want to try to go along and buy like one here, one there once I get the money to do so and then I'll just kind of get a bunch from different times except for now I won't go to Western Digital because, you know, you never know. They might just right. decide to randomly delete your data. <laughs> no, uh, that's right, just the right. MyCloud thing though. True. <laughs> that's not That's not regular disks, but yeah, so, yeah, that's that. I'm on ZFS now. Yeah, I know. Hypocrite, whatever. Yada, yada. <laughs> um, so, yeah, other than that, I um, switched my whole desktop around, and I actually, am, I have three SSDs in it, and then I have the hard drives. And the three SSDs now, one has Windows on it, one is going to be for distro hopping, and then one is going to be for Ubuntu to 
you know, make sure I have somewhere to go to get my ZFS. So that's going to be interesting to manage, but I never had a problem with it before. I just never used three separate disks. I've only ever used two. So we'll see how that goes. I got uh, I just bought, I totally forgot to mention this. I just bought a um, Western Digital Black NVMe for uh for this new build man i'm excited for it how, it's gonna how are they like i when when ssds and mvmes first came out always with seagate and western digital they were always garbage compared to like some of the other brands like intel and that because they were like yep. they were like trying to you know switch over from hard drives to ssds and they were like mm-hmm. kind of franticking and all that crap well so this is okay like now this is like third or fourth gen. I don't know. I haven't installed it yet. I haven't got oh, it yet. Oh, okay. I'll let you know. But um, I came from a data who I did trust as with, with SSDs. I think it was like an SX7000 NP, maybe? Anyway, so it's like 1800 uh, or 1200, 1200, your show, on the on read and like 700 on write. So it's better than SATA, but it wasn't the fastest yeah. NVMe. Now I think this one's going to be like 3600 and 2600. So yeah, uh, yeah. I got I got a really cheap NVMe. I got I got um that um oh, crap. What's it called? Um, oh, I can't think of it. Not Sabrent. That's that's the what's you want to call it? The storage drives. The mm-hmm. external. Anyway, I've but got- I got a really cheap one. It says it's supposed to be three thousand right, but it only does about one thousand. But I paid cheaper than any of the one thousand gigabyte drives. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I yeah. don't care at that point. <laughs> just going just going back to Western Digital, I've got two Western Digital blue one terabyte SSDs in mm-hmm. my uh, tower. Yeah. Uh, I've had one of them for just over a year and I bought the other one about three months ago and uh, they're fine. Oh. They are two and a half inch SSDs, not uh MVME. That reminds me, I do trust Western Digital like a lot. <laughs> Because I have a, a 500, uh, 500 gig Western Digital Blue in my uh, network storage. So that's where all the Plex cache is. And that thing grows like every day because Plex is weird. Um, <laughs> I, went, I went from a 64 gig um, 2.5 inch SSD to a 512 gig NVMe because I wanted, I mean, you better be fast, Plex. Look, when I press, press play, I'm, I'm, I mean play. So, uh, <laughs> and it's been, it's been chugging along for a good six months or so. Not a single problem. Uh, I haven't seen any disk errors, nothing like that. No slowdowns. The boot time is insanely fast. Uh, so it's good. I like, I'll, I'll do reboot, and seriously, like eight seconds later, I can SSH back into it. It's fantastic. Well, that's cool. Well, anyway, that's, that's basically what I've been up to. So, Joe, how are you? I'm how doing are okay. you? I'm heavily medicated. It's quite Yay. fun. Yay! Um, well, anyways, I had some issues with my 3D printer over the last couple of weeks and had a lot of trouble tracking it down. Um, I tried several different times to clear what I thought was a clog, but that turned out not to be the issue. Um, I re-leveled the thing hundreds of times to get it just what, right, and that also was, wasn't the issue. What was clogged up? Need some Miralax, maybe? Oh, sure. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, Sorry. So um, then I thought it might just be the particular spool of PLA. You know, you get so far in and then, you know, it's moist and so won't print properly. So I switched that out and that didn't work either. It was still having the same problems. Um, I ended up tightening up the feed mechanism and that helped a little bit, but I was still getting under extrusion and the occasional midair print where it simply wasn't pulling in um, any of the filament. Um 
What actually turned out to be the problem was the Texas heat, which seems to be a common factor in a lot of things. Um, anyways, my dry box has this piece of uh, silicone rubber tubing, clear tubing. I, I built my dry box so and that the filament runs through. And normally there's not a problem there, but with the Texas heat that made that tubing very tacky, which was adding a lot of resistance to that filament line, preventing it from getting pulled through. And that was causing the problem. So the fix was to remove that tube and just allow it to come directly out of the box. Um, I do have to reset up some things on my dry box. I, I need to... Uh, 3D print some kind of grommet to go in there to the hole where the silicone tubing was to shrink down the size so that uh, way I'm not allowing in moisture. Um, I need to um, dry out my desiccant and put it back in there, and then that'll be good to go. You're on an um, Ender 3, right? Yeah, Ender okay, 3 V2. Ah, V2. The yeah. second version. Yeah, you got to be kind of specific because there's a whole bunch of Ender 3s. Yep. There we go. So um, I, I finished setting up my uh, Resilio sync between my phone and my um, server. I am getting all the permissions set up on my tower so that I can put the folders for it anywhere without any permission problems. So basically just cross-linking the groups for my main user and Resilio so that that works properly. Um, I added back in a bunch more of the file automation that I had previously had. It's really just file shuffling, just moving things around so that they'll get copied to the proper locations or automatically appear on my Plex or automatically appear on my phone or from my phone to specific folders. Like take a picture, it goes to, well, from my phone to my server to one of my laptops so that way I have backups all the time. With my back being messed up, um, I've been playing a lot of um, Borderlands, but I, I switched back to playing Borderlands 2 for a while instead of 3 simply because the story is so much better in 2. Um, then I switched back to Borderlands 3 because of the most recent hotfix, which... Uh, brings up the level cap and adds back in some of the extra playable areas, including all the holiday content. Um, this really feels like the last major thing that they're going to do for Borderlands 3. And for now, it brings back some of the playability, especially since the True Trials will be sticking around until the end of July. It's been really fun playing Borderlands 3 again for a while. I uh, switched back to Zane, and now I'm trying out a couple of different builds on Zane. Um, now, this last weekend, um, I had been planning to show off some soldering on, on last Saturday's extra show, but I ended up working and didn't get the chance. I was really looking forward to it, um, but I, I guess I'll just have to try again for next weekend and see how it works out. Um that being said, I do need to get some solder therapy going soon and may get some done in the near future. I have some mods that I've been waiting for a while to try out, and I really want to do them, but there's always more soldering to be done, so I'll definitely have some for next Saturday. Um, like I was saying, I've spent the last week or so on, on muscle relaxers. So I really haven't gotten much done. Um, after the f first few days of not being able to focus at all on the medication, 
uh, things kind of leveled out, and it's not as much of a problem. But I am trying to take things easy to allow my back to heal. So you're just really relaxed, man. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm extremely mellow. And all it's right. been quite fun between the uh, right, muscle right. relaxers and the heavy-duty anti-inflammatories that they have me on. Uh, I, I've been pretty mellow. So um, little to no bike riding. Uh, I'm only doing seated um, leg days when I have leg days, and those have been few and far between. I have done some upper back exercises, but I've stayed away from lower back entirely. I do need to find some more cardio that'll work for me for now. Um, I have done a bit of swimming with the wife, but um, that's something I have to be really careful with. While it is low impact, it does use a lot of the lower back. So need to be careful. I did get down to 208 pounds, which is lower than I was planning on going, but the, the slower weight loss uh, along with maintaining my level of weight training seems to be working well. Uh, I'm going to continue to try it out for a while just with this last week of not doing much in the exercise department. I'm concerned that I'm losing well, muscle mass instead of you know fat. This leads me into looking for a good or Android and Linux compatible calorie and macro tracker. I want hey, something... yeah, I, I know one. There's uh, the Apple Fit on the Apple Watch. Yeah, like I said, Android, <laughs> Android. Hey, do we know that the Apple Watch doesn't work with Android? Does it matter? It doesn't work as know. well with Android. It's no designed idea, to not work as well with Android. I have no idea. We were talking about the Apple Watch last time because of the, the diabetes conversation we were having toward the end. And yeah. uh, I, think, I mean, if, if it has that stuff, man, I, I can't I can't hold out. I have to. I have to. I think we need to make a Hackintosh on a phone. Okay. Hmm. That actually sounds like fun. Okay, but I want something simple that allows me to enter in all the numbers myself without having to spend an hour searching for a particular ingredient or a particular brand to make sure that the macros are just right. Um, and I wanted to be able to do it on my phone and have it automatically come up on my PC. Um, I, I, I would like the same when it comes to exercise tracking, but I don't think that I will find that one either, especially one that I like. Uh, Samsung has some good ones that work on the phone, but you can't get any of that information over to your PC, at least not any way that I found that isn't like a giant hack. Um, I've been using standard notes to track my calories, but, um, I, just calories. I should probably start tracking fat and protein as well to make sure that I'm getting enough because if you don't get enough, um, fats in your diet then that will really mess with uh, your your body chemistry and, and proteins obvious reasons they they take longer to digest they help build muscle etc cetera, etc cetera. did you look into any websites that would do that so you could get them on your phone and your um computer i've looked that way? i've looked i didn't see anything that i liked though um and websites if it were self hosted i'd be more interested as opposed right, yeah. to, you know, need, needing to log in to yeah. their stuff and provide them a whole it. bunch of information. Set up Bitwarden, but only use the notes feature. Hmm. Ah, yeah. there you go. Uh, and, and it's looking, encrypted. 
And like, I, I could do like something like Excel, an Excel document or, or something like that um, with enough practice, but the standard notes, you know, uh, I'm just not getting enough information into it quickly and easily. So yeah. Do you want something that has like each like like calories and fat and all that stuff already there and you can just put in the numbers? Yeah. And I don't, yeah, like I said, I don't want to have find. to search for ingredients. I don't want to have to search for other people's recipes because I'm mostly cooking my own foods. And, you know, variate, you do a small variation on someone else's recipe and it completely changes the macros. And then it's kind of pointless to use what's in their tracker. Oh, and that's, that's really what's been going on in my neck of the woods. A whole lot of sitting oh, down. Yeah. Yeah. Tony, what have you been up to? Better switch my mic on, haven't I? Yeah. <laughs> no, I was just doing some research for uh, talking about something later. This week, I installed the 5.11.x kernel on my tower. Uh, but I've got a very old uh, NVIDIA card. And uh, when the, uh, the 5.11 kernel doesn't seem to like it because I had to revert back to the open source driver. So for me, it's not a major issue. I don't game. Uh, the card itself's only got two, five, six mega RAM, so um, it's nothing outstanding. But it was uh, I was using the NVIDIA driver that was uh, available because I thought, why not? Uh, so does it work I, perfectly fine with the uh, open source driver? Yeah, yeah, no, I, uh, I've used it on the open source driver until I, uh, in the past. Uh, when the kernel didn't have a suitable driver, right. so yeah. Um, but when when the driver works, I I I uh, change over to that. But at the moment, it's not working. So, uh, like I say, not a major in- issue for me. But um, if anyone else is having issues, uh, it could be that the kernel doesn't support your NVIDIA uh, card driver. Yeah, Some, uh, I, mean, I know you they... you having problems with that, aren't you, Leo? Not my NVIDIA card. I avoid NVIDIA at all costs uh, because of that kind of stuff. Because of that exact situation right there, um, most of the most of the cards by the time I get my hands on them, especially right now, um, are going to be supported in Mesa. So you know it'll just boot up and work. Right. So uh, anyway, if you're listening to this, uh, I'm using my portable studio because we're on holiday or vacation for you uh, U.S. types. Uh, at Woodbrook, which have been here before and recorded the show uh, from here before on this very machine. But uh, we're going to be talking about portable systems later, so uh, I shall uh, I shall talk more of that in a while. Nice. I've also been playing with uh, Endeavor OS. I installed it on my Toshiba Z30 ages back uh, to try it out. And uh, every so often I flash it up and I check to see if uh, doing the updates will break it. And I haven't managed to break it yet. <laughs> and I, uh, I flashed it up. It was about a month ago that I'd last done the updates. And I flashed it up this time and it upda- eventually updated. I think it lost the internet because it went into hibernation. So the first update trial failed, but at second attempt it worked. Uh, and do you no use actually, the uh, latest kernel, or do you use the uh, um, LTS? Well, on Endeavor, yeah, it's given me twelve uh, five twelve um, okay. dot thirteen. So, so that's, that's the, the latest. Current. Yeah, that's current. So I was just uh, curious because um, 
if you use the if you use the uh, LTS kernel, then you might have an even better time as long as you don't need the extra kernel because it won't change until you know the next they whenever they decide the kernel is going to need to be updated for the LTS. Yeah, yeah I mean, well, it's... like I say, I've been doing the updates uh, every two or three, maybe four weeks, and I'm not having an issue with it. Well, if you have an issue, I was just giving you a suggestion. If yeah. you do have an issue, then you can just go to that, and you can stick on that for as long as you need. Yeah. Yeah, at least two years, I think. Uh, and then 5.10, so there was uh, that whole controversy with um, yeah. Great KH saying, hey, if y'all want more support, help. And then, <laughs> and then a lot of people did actually stand up, and a lot of companies decided to start uh, helping out with that. So it looks like we're going to get four or six years, something like four or five years something out, like of that, the, yeah. out of kernel 510. Mm. So live on 510. That's what Debian's on. Yeah, you, you, you'll be good for the, li- for the li- life of Debian at least. Yeah, well, we all know Debian's about four years behind the time. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I continue. So like I say, I've been playing with Endeavor today and uh, I managed to work out how to get to SnapD installed. Uh, I tried it a couple of ways and it didn't work. So uh, I went on the old interwebs and had a look around and the, pa- and the instructions are on the Snapcraft site. I've put a link in the yep. show, yep. show notes. Uh, and I, I ended up having to uh, copy and paste commands into the no! terminal. Oh, slap wrist. <laughs> <laughs> but I knew what the commands were doing. It was basically it was just downloading the source code from Git yeah. and then... Uh, uh, doing the make make of the file and installing it. And, oh lord! Uh, so so you had to build it from scratch. Yeah, yeah. These uh, you oh. you have to. Um, oh, there it goes. C D into the um, into the SnapD um, folder, and then uh, ah. and then uh, it does oh, wow. uh, it, <laughs> it it compiles it all. I see. So was there not a? Uh, you're talking about on Endeavor on on Endeavor, right? Yeah. And yeah. Is is it not in the AUR? Uh, well, it, it seems to be in the AUR, but it doesn't install it. It fails. The, the oh. install fails. Wait a minute. Uh, the glorious AUR failed you? What? Yeah. Yeah. What? I tried it. I tried it a couple of times. So that's when I I ended up going to the Snapcraft site and doing it their way, and it worked mm. perfectly, no problem mm. at all. And then after I did that, I uh, tested it. And it was working, so I was able to install Get iPlayer, and I've also installed the uh, Snapcraft, uh, the Snapcraft uh, store. You know, nice. so I, I've got that installed, so I can go and search for Snaps if I want to. Yeah, well, um, we have some, we have some. I'm a, I'm a flat pack person, but uh, we have some feedback on that. To the contrary, a little later. Yeah, so uh, yeah, I, I quite like Snap, uh, Snaps uh, occasionally. Well, especially um, with the Get iPlayer, right? It there's no other way to get it. There's, uh, well, there, there is in Deb. I don't know whether there's any other way to get it in... Um, in, in Arch. Arch. Yeah. I, okay. Uh, it's not available even in the AUR as far as I can see in Arch. Again? The AUR Man, failed, failed you again? the AUR in one day. No. <laughs> <laughs> this is... So, that's... yes, Snap is the only way that you can... Uh, get it in uh, the uh, in uh, arch as far as i can see um i might be wrong someone could write in and correct me but i haven't found any other way to do it it's probably got some obscure name <laughs> you just can't yeah, find it probably has <laughs> uh but i am starting to get more and more impressed with endeavor and arch in general uh so uh, i'll probably keep it on this little laptop because it i tell you what it 
uh, it runs so sweet. It, the battery life on that little machine uh, uh, is uh, is really good. So cool. uh, I'm quite impressed. Uh, what desktop do you use with that? Uh, I've got I've got the Mate uh, desktop okay. installed. Yeah, uh, I I done uh, I did the uh, net install and uh, chose Mate. As yeah. the, that's nice about Endeavor. You can do the you can choose what you want. Yeah, if you if you do the net if you download the ISO, there's a limited number that you can get. Yeah. But if you do the net install, you can choose virtually any desktop environment right. you want. Uh, you can even use a um, oh, what do you call it? Um, hey, Tony, someone someone in the chat just recommended that you try Pure Arch. <laughs> I did try that once, and it was a total fail for me. Oh no! So, so, <laughs> so I'll I'll stick to. The easy way. I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, you know what? The new installer script has has just installed an easy button for Arch now. Uh, I've been I've been itching to try it. And I just haven't done it yet. It, I, I feel like it'll be kind of cool. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, uh, I might give that a go. But, yeah. You know, uh, Endeavor works. So. Right. I mean, it, it it is pure Arch. Endeavor is pure Arch with a few scripts off to the side that help you keep everything up to date and break yeah. less. So, I mean, yeah. Endeavor is probably about as close to Arch as you're going to get without being actual Arch. Just as a side issue, one of the things I do like is when you, uh, when you start it up, uh, if you leave it active, the welcome screen comes up and you, there's a button right in front of you. You can just check for updates yeah. as soon as you start it. You don't have to wait until something pops up and says there's updates available. Right. Does Every it make minutes. you aware? What was that? Every 10 minutes. <laughs> it's art. Yeah, if these update, it will tell you if these updates available. Uh, but every time you start it up, if you press that button, then it, you know, if if there's uh, anything available, it'll just install them when you first boot up. Does it tell you to reboot if you need if you have like a kernel update or stuff like that, yeah. like Mint? Does? Yeah, oh, that's cool. It, it, re- it recognizes if the if uh, anything needs a, a reboot to uh, activate that, it. Yeah. yeah. That's something that every distro should do because a lot of times people just update and they think, oh, we're good, and then they don't reboot Mint, and then you don't got the Mint, new stuff. Mint right. does that. Mint does that. Yeah. Yeah, Mint's been doing that for quite a while. Wait, what now? What they, They're doing what? They it, When when you uh, install new kernels mm-hmm. on Mint or new kernel modules that need an, uh, a reboot to activate, it tells you reboot required. Oh, right. Yes. Yeah, and that's, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, so uh, Josh is just saying that not not every distro does that, so uh, right. it's something that other distros could learn from. Yep, absolutely. So as well as uh, Linuxy stuff, I've been playing around with my model cars and spending money as you do. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I bought some parts a couple of weeks ago to uh, to make replacement axles and the uh, some small one sixteenth tubing. Uh, and some head pins that were supposed to slot into the uh, uh, tube hole. Uh, but the head pins were a bit too big. They were about uh, 0.1 of a millimetre too large on the diameter. So I complained to the company, but uh, they they continue to insist that they're all, they're all the right size. Uh, and I ordered some from a totally separate company, and they were exactly the same. So I'm assuming... Uh, the way they measure them and the way I measure them are two totally different ways. Yeah. How weird is <laughs> um, that? Pardon? Uh, just, just musing how weird that is. Yeah. 
So, but I did come up with a fix. I, I stuck one of the pins in a small pin vise, stuck the pin vise in my little hand drill, and then gra- and kind of lathed it off with a little modelling file. Oh, to, yeah. yeah. I only need the 10 mil, uh, 10 mil end, uh, end with the head on it uh, to go into the tube because uh, I glue it in and then glue, glue another one in at the other end uh, once it's on the model. Uh, so that works great. So it adds a couple of minutes per pin uh, onto the uh, restoration of the model, but it's nothing that's uh, a killer. So, uh, yeah, I can use them. <laughs> so I was quite chuffed about that. I continue to bake. I've been making uh, cheese scones or cheese biscuits, as you would call them, uh, Leo. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh over here and i've been baking me loaves i even baked a, a loaf here at woodbrook yesterday when we got it uh because uh, i was running out <laughs> and i do like my own homemade bread right yeah, you guys watched me cook yesterday yeah yeah we did we did we watched you meal prep for the week yeah. so we're gonna we're, we're gonna do like a cooking version of this uh in the innards man we're gonna have to because we talk we're about food have to way do too a much recipe share yeah <laughs> We talk about I'll food po- way too I'll, much. I'll post. I'll post a uh, a link to my uh, recipe blog. I've got That'll a recipe work. blog on Blogger. Well, those, <laughs> that will work. Those burritos turned out incredible. Did they? Yeah, they're really yeah. good. I had some right before yeah. the show. Uh, oh, that that's the chicken what that smell or the, is. Or the turkey mince. Oh, that was the turkey. The ground turkey. turkey. Yeah, yeah. We call that mince. You call it ground. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, so that's me for this uh, fortnight, and we've got no mic, so I suppose it's over to the news. Yeah. So this time in the news, Linux Mint 20.2 beta is out. Are y'all ready? Have y'all tested it yet? I installed it in boxes last night on the Endeavor oh, box. See, I should uh-huh. have done this. I have not done this yet. I feel uh, so out of out of it. I don't know why I didn't do this. But, um, yeah, so was it amazing? Uh, well, I didn't play with it for long. Uh, I, I did manage to burn an ISO to the to an, um, a, di- uh, a little USB stick and, and, tr- uh, and boot it on the, the same machine off the stick. It's the cinnamon version, so it's not the normal one that I use. The mm-hmm. the link you gave me was the cinnamon one. Oh, got and it. I, know, oh, I yeah. normally use mate, so I might go hunting for the for the mate uh, ISO, which I'm assuming that's a link to it in the show notes. Well, it's uh, yeah. These are the links to the main post, and then I think at the bottom, yeah, at the very bottom, you get the download link. So uh, I gave you the Evo Wise CDN. That seems fast enough. <laughs> But that's the deal. Go grab that one. Yeah, right. I'll uh, check that out at some stage. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, so far it it works. All <laughs> that's right. All I can, that's all I can say at the moment. I managed yeah. to install it in boxes. It yeah. worked. I figure. Uh, I figure that uh, I'll actually give it a shot. Um, probably tonight or something like that. But I don't know if it's going to be worth anything to give our uh, give our experiences on it next episode because I suspect next episode it'll be released. So we'll be talking about the actual release itself. But um, I guess one of the good things we could we could kind of cover is uh, what got fixed between the beta and the release. So if anybody mm. was holding holding out for 
you know, trying out the beta or something like that because of one of those things, then uh, maybe we can report on that. I think it's probably going to be more paper cuts than oh, yeah. loads of new stuff, isn't it? Yeah. Well, th- uh, I don't know. It depends on if you consider um, a huge version number increment of cinnamon huge. Oh, uh, well, yeah, that'll be, that'll be good. Yeah, Mate and XFCE kind of do their own things, and they just are what they are when they are. Um, but I think, uh, well, see, I don't know. I guess Cinnamon kind of does too, right? Because, I mean, you would expect Cinnamon 5 to be on Linux Mint 21 or, you know, some whole number instead mm-hmm. of one of the dot numbers. But, um, you know, maybe that's it. Maybe that's... Yeah, uh, but if they thought it... Uh, because uh, Mint are part of the development for Cinnamon, aren't they? So if they thought it was good to go, why not? Right? Uh, yeah, I think it... Yeah, it's just they, they always have that it's ready when it's ready kind of attitude. So, And that's fine with me. I dig that. And it's ready in 20.2. So yay. We get to play with it then. So we can take a look at uh some of the some of the new stuff that's coming out. So uh we've covered little bits of these on each of the monthly monthly news that come out uh from Clem. But uh, one of one of my favorite things though is that uh spices are now going to be uh part of the update manager now. So if this this really got to me. Every time uh, a spice broke for some reason because it was an update or something and it broke, I would go into the spices manager or whatever it was, like the applets or the desklets or the extensions, and the first thing it would ask me was, hey, everything's out of date. You want to update it? Well, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't even want you to ask me that question. Of course I do. So this is now one of those things where if you just run all your updates, all of that stuff is going to happen in the background anyway. So yeah, it won't bother me anymore. Yay! So that's going to be something really cool, uh, and it'll restart uh, Cinnamon if that particular applet needs it during the update or something like that. So uh, everything will kind of take care of itself, which is really good. Do we know why it wasn't part of the general updates in the first place? They were just two totally separate programs before, and uh, they they right. put in the work to actually make them all one. So the apps, um, you know, to get to extensions and install them, you'll still do that the same way, but um, updating them is now seamless. So I love that. Uh, notifications as well. Uh, there's going to be more details in the in the notification about update notifications that will have more <laughs> info. So you'll see what are security, what are software updates, and um, it'll give you the option. I, I think this is fantastic to enable the automatic updates. So for those of you that have thought, oh, you know, Microsoft did a pretty good thing by enabling these automatic updates, and I really enjoy that all of it happens seamlessly behind the scenes, and I never have to think about it ever again. Right? This is the button for you. So press that button and it'll take care of it all by itself. I think I for a lot of people, that's a good thing. It's th- a fantastic think, thing. Yeah, I th- I've got no problem with automatic updates as long as it doesn't reboot your system without asking you whether it's okay to reboot your system. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one that, of the and things, that was the yeah. problem with Windows was it was rebooting your system and you'd say, ah, you were in the middle of something. Right. <laughs> right. And yeah, instead exactly. what it should do is come up with a screen that says, to apply these updates, you need to reboot instead of doing it by itself, you know? Yeah, so next you time you log on, you're like, oh, hey, I should probably reboot. Yeah. Right. But I've got to be fair to Windows these days. It does ask you if it's okay to reboot now or do you want to leave it until later? Well, even back then, you really had to abuse Windows for it to reboot on you. You really <laughs> had to let those updates go for a while. And it was it was the cumulative ones. Those come out once a month. So if you got caught once a week now, 
No. Well, I mean, sure, some of the little ones, the the egregious stuff. But, I mean, those cumulative updates will come out on an update Tuesday or something like that. Those are the, really the only ones that would force and uh, will, would require you to update. Uh, and you have that to require you. Yeah. you have to have let that thing dangle on for a couple of months for it to actually make you do that. So, I mean, not necessarily that it's just good to reboot people's computers, but, I mean, so you happy. haven't rebooted in two months? It's supposed to be the last iteration. Okay, so... Uh, oh, you know what's funny about that? Yeah. I'm sorry, Leo. I'd... No, I think you're about to say what I'm about to say. Yeah. No, the, they. I was listening to Windows Weekly, and they yep. actually said that nobody actually said that officially from Microsoft, that that it, was going to be the last one. They they said that somebody, I forget who it is, it was somebody from Microsoft... Yeah. Yeah. They said that it was going to be the last one, but he didn't mean it in that way. He meant... In, it was I forget exactly how they explained it, but he meant it in a different way than like the last like Windows 10 was going to be the only one. Right. It's just going to go on from there. But yep. yeah, it was it was I was like, wow, that's <laughs> that's interesting. Yeah. And uh, the the whole fur over. Oh, my God. It looks like KDE plasma. Oh, my what? gosh. I know. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, I mean, don't get me wrong. I think the plasma guys have a real eye for what looks good by default. And I mean, I think Windows, the the Windows group has that same eye. I, I just think things happen to you know cross uh, at this anyway, particular we're moment. We're supposed to be talking about Mint. Fine, <laughs> and, but you know, Mint is a pretty big competitor to Windows. I think a lot of people get recommended yeah. Mint when they're when they're coming over because oh well, Windows rebooted one time on me by and I didn't tell it to right. Oh, but, when they realize they've got to have a Microsoft account to run Windows 11, they might more of them might come over. Oh, and Secure Boot, and TPM 1.3, <laughs> and, 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 And all, yeah. those, all, the, all that hardware that won't work with the Windows 11 that's oh. only five years old. Oh, shucks. They're going to have to install something else, and they yeah, can't install so, Mac shame. OS. <laughs> Tony, what you just saying a second ago that we're supposed to be talking about Mint? Yeah. <laughs> well, we are. We're talking about Linux. Exactly. Uh, loads of people are going to be well, coming over to Linux. About with... Linux not being Windows. <laughs> yeah. 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 I think it's fine. I mean, if you're on one of the big distros, one of the major distros like Ubuntu, which, you know, by extension, Linux Mint, Elementary OS, Pop OS, they're going to have those signed kernels and everything because you have to have Secure Boot on. And Secure Boot won't boot your Linux machine unless it's got a signed kernel. So, and everything else. So you've got to be careful when you're actually doing things. If you're bringing in kernel modules and just, and, and compiling all of that stuff into the kernel, it's not going to boot and secure boot. So you've got to be very careful now that this is, that if you're going to be running it alongside Windows 11, you've got to be careful with the way that it, the uh, uh, way that it works. Ooh, Nishan says well, it doesn't support secure boot. I'm going to have to drop it. That's not, that's not good. Huh. And wait, I guess that doesn't support it. Even, uh, Pop OS, and that makes a lot of sense because uh, they're on uh, a different kernel. They're they're not oh on yeah. the Ubuntu kernels. Yeah. No. Uh. Well, even when Windows 11 comes out, uh, Windows 10 is still going to be supported for probably a long time. So a lot yeah. of the older hardware oh, yeah. that can't run Windows 11 will still be running Windows 10. Yeah. 2025. And, and if it's anything like Windows XP, they'll be running it well into 2030 as well. So it's, yeah, it's well, not that, like... That'll yeah. be the, but you, Joe Bloggs in the street will say, Windows 11's come out. Oh, my PC's not compatible. Let's go out and buy a new PC. So but, it's going to be... That, that'll be perfect for me, you know. That's the push. The yeah, used the market, the prices is... will drop through the floor. Uh, I'll buy a whole bunch of hardware <laughs> to play around with, and yep. it'll all be running Linux. <laughs> That's gone through my little head as well. <laughs> yep, and it sounds like it's going to be a free upgrade as well. Um 
I mean, new new installs or whatever will be, uh, you'll have to purchase that. But uh, if you've got a machine that already had Windows 10, you'll be able to go to Windows 11. Uh, as long as you meet the 17 bullet points that they have that they have levied against you, uh, but well, it'll be what good. Is it I mean, like an, like just an install eight gen Intel mm-hmm. and newer or something like that. It seems like yeah. I think the first gen Ryzen's are not uh, like capable, and that's Ooh. that's not good. Oh, I have a capable. First... Well, right. <laughs> well, okay. Yeah. So I've, I've been seeing a lot of uh, a lot of posts that you can you can actually just circumvent the whole checker and just force it to install anyway. But here's one of the things: like you're going to have to continuously maintain that because. Windows 11 will literally roll you back if any of those things stops working after the fact. So no. you've got to actually maintain this. It's, it's, it's real interesting the way that they're dealing with this. We're also still extremely early in the life cycle of Windows 11. I True. mean, people are just hearing about it now. Despite yeah, we're not the even in the life the, cycle, really. Yeah, that yeah. The announcement's coming up. So who knows if they're going to add more uh, backwards compatibility to the kernel. Depends on how many people complain. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I don't know, man. They, 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 when they decide on things, they tend to forge ahead with them. I mean, the Windows 10, they didn't stop any of the automatic updating and look how much complaining people are still complaining about it. So, yeah. But do you think Windows 8 would still be around if people didn't complain? Do you think it would have went down that same path and kept going with, with how it was? Oh, I think they would have refined it regardless of if people complain. I mean, cause okay. we have more options now than we used to. But yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, of course. I I think they take into account the complaints and maybe try to kind of smooth that over, but they're not going to 180 on anything, I doubt. I really doubt that because what the reason the TPM thing is is on the list is a good one because everybody in the security sector was like, "Guys, we have to be more secure." And then Windows was like, "Okay." And that's it. Like they decided that full disk encryption is a good thing and people are horrible at keeping up with those keys. So let TPM handle that and then do full disk encryption and then everybody wins. Security guys love it. You got people that don't understand it, don't need to understand it. It just works, right? So long as they have the hardware that supports it and everybody wins. Except yeah, for, the enterprise really loves it because they don't have to worry about people having to maintain all this crap. I mean, think about uh, like places where I work or at banks or you know any place like that that have federal regulations over what they do. Then TPM is a total win for them because they don't even have to mandate it anymore. They just say, "All right, we're going to Windows 11," and it's already baked in. It's it's pre-mandated. They don't have to even think about it. So. I don't know. In that way, it's good, but uh, it's going to be a lot of pain. It's going to be a lot of pain. But some of these big companies that have got hundreds, if not thousands, of desktop machines and stuff like that, if they suddenly realize they're going to have to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars to replace hardware, they might they might start changing the tune a bit. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, nobody, yeah. nobody big, no huge enterprises are going to just hop on Windows 11, even if it releases oh, today. No. They'll do that. I highly doubt anyone will, really. The the bulk of them will do it in 2025 when Windows 10 is no longer supported, and then the rest of them will do it in 2028 when and they the, have absolutely no choice. Yeah, and After the four, they pay and $2, the $2,000 years, or more to keep yeah. keep it going. Yeah. And <laughs> the four, for, for install. Four, <laughs> yeah. yeah, and the four or five-year hardware cycle will probably have, they'll probably already have the hardware that works by then anyway. Yeah. All right, or all right. they just we, get Ubuntu and keep moving on yeah. with the 10-year uh, <laughs> yeah. cycle. Yeah, and if you want to <laughs> drop a bunch of money on that, you can, and they'll support you and all that kind of good stuff. But 
All right, so we got to hit this because uh, we've been talking about Windows for way too long, <laughs> which is fine because I, I I dig the Windows 11 topic. We'll I'll, I'll guarantee it. I'll bring it up again. Um, anyway, but uh, so with the automatic updates in Linux Mint, you can kind of control what exactly updates. Now, one of the coolest things I think uh, I saw a comment in YouTube where you can't control it. You kind of can. You you can, yeah. You're right. I mean, you can't pre-select. I guess what what you want, but what you can do is blacklist everything else. So if you want the newest Mesa and the newest kernel or something like that, then you know blacklist everything else but those things. So it is an option. It's not exactly what uh, what we're talking about, but I mean it, it'll do the job. But if you just don't ever want to think about it and just want to reboot every couple of weeks or something like that just to stay current, then setting up the automatic updates in Linux Mint is going to be fantastic. So good stuff. Um, now, what I didn't see, um, yes, ah, yes, okay. So um, it, it, a couple of months ago, Clem was saying that they were going to, no hard date on it, add in flat pack updates into the update manager as well, right? Because one of the pain points of Snap we talked about a little while ago was that Snap will just update behind you where you didn't even know it. It just kind of did it. You didn't say to or anything like that, and it just updated. Well, Mint kind of did that. It had a startup application that updated all of your flat packs on boot. So that was good to keep you up to date on all the other software that you had installed. But now that has been removed. It's not on boot anymore. It's just in the update manager. So now everything, all of the apps native that are in Linux Mint are just handled in the update manager as it should be, right? I mean, as it should be. I feel like everything should have been in there. I'm glad that it is now. And that's that's just a fantastic thing. And you can decide if you want to update. There's a toggle for both Spices and uh, Flatpak uh, updates. You can just turn them off. Because like uh, we were talking about with Snaps, if you don't want them to update, you, they don't have to. You can turn them off and then go update them individually if, uh, if you want to kind of, you know, micromanage all of those things. So good stuff, man. I mean, because Audacity is one of those where once I get on a version... Don't touch it. Like, don't touch it at all because I, I want to know that it's going to work every single time I launch it. And I don't want to have to run into any new bugs that were brought in by this particular new version or something like that. So um, just don't touch it. So if I were to do Audacity and Flatpak, I would probably turn that off and micromanage Audacity itself. Anyway, uh, bulk file renamer. Uh, for those of you that hate regex, uh, though you can do regex in, in this renamer, uh, it's a, Google, uh, it's a uh, GUI renamer for multiple files. So if you have... Uh, a bunch of files that need to be renamed in a certain way, like this one's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, whatever. Um, or if you just want to do uh, yeah, any other kind of bulk renaming, this app will get that done for you. And that's going to be baked into 20.2, and you'll get it once you upgrade from 20.1 to 20.2. And if not, I mean, I think it's just called bulk file renamer, so you can just install that. Um, and sticky notes. If you were a fan of the old Windows 7 sticky notes, that's what this is. This is exactly that. Uh, and there's a nice, cool overview on that as well. So you can, whereas on Windows 7, you just had the sticky notes. They were just kind of wherever you put them. Uh, you couldn't really store them anywhere else. This does give you that broad overview to show you all of your notes as well. So uh, that's kind of nice. Um, I really did end up using a lot of those sticky notes on Windows 7. So uh, I might end up doing it a whole lot as well. But one of the cool things is that it's got a couple of modes. Uh, you can, I think you can set up more than this uh, amount of nodes. I think you can set up as many as you want. Um, so you can have, uh, if you use the same desktop 
or laptop for, you know, a bunch of different stuff, you can toggle between the sets of notes that you have up on your desktop. So that is awesome as well. Uh, Warpinator. Yeah. So there were a couple of changes to Warpinator. The, one of the big ones that I think everybody's going to get anyway, regardless of if you're on 20.2 or not, is that uh, Warpinator now supports, if you have multiple network cards, you can decide which network card Warpinator pays attention to. Uh, all of them or one of them or two of them. Um, and then there's also an Android app. Uh, not by the Mint folks. Uh, I can't remember who it was from, but uh, oh, there's a link to it. So uh, Slow Script has an uh, Warpinator uh, app out there for Android, just in case you're pushing files to and from everywhere. Uh, an iOS version is whispered to exist, but open source software doesn't do really well on the uh, on the Apple Store. Uh, you got to do some funkiness with it, so I don't, I don't know that that will likely come one of these days, but um, that day ain't today because I've never heard of one. But anyway, what else we got? Cinnamon 5.0. That's the big thing. Um, honestly, it it looked like improvements to me. It wasn't. You're not gonna notice if you just look at it. It's gonna be the same. So uh, I think that's a that's a really good thing. But uh, Nemo 5.0 comes out with Cinnamon 5.0. And there is a uh, content search. I think that's my favorite thing about this is that no longer will the search just search file names. It'll search the text inside those files as well. So that is really nice, especially if you're looking for that one file that you forgot what you named it. Yeah. You just remembered you dumped a bunch of recipes in it, right? So you could just search for flour and you'll probably find it, right? That's that's kind of the idea behind a lot of that. Um and so uh, the, some of these changes are a little funny because I think what they're trying to do is learn why Cinnamon is breaking and in the interim, fix it for you. So what's, what's going on is that there are a couple of memory leaks in, uh, in Cinnamon that will just, your memory will just pew and use way too much. So what ends up happening is they, uh, what ended up happening is they added a feature to uh, Cinnamon that will allow you to m- set a maximum limit on memory and when it reaches that maximum limit cinnamon the whole desktop when it reaches that maximum limit it will restart cinnamon for you the, so cinnamon will kind of flash none of your apps will go away everything will stay saved everything like that the desk it's just the desktop but it will flash for a second and it'll come back and everything will be like it was but what's really happening is they're killing cinnamon and restarting cinnamon and putting everything back that seems like a good way to get stuck in a loop right so, yeah, in a case like that, yeah, hard reboot's all you can do. But in the opposite case, without that, I mean, you would already be in that situation because it would be a runaway memory leak and your computer would run really slow and you would end up rebooting it anyway. So I, I think this is a good stopgap measure. But what, uh, what I think they're trying to do is once that happens, um, there, there's, there will be information that you can opt in to send them that will help them figure this out and actually fix it once and for all. Instead of using a Band-Aid like this where it'll just, it'll reboot you when it needs, or restart Cinnamon when it needs. And then uh, a new CLI and Python 3 module dedicated to Spice updates. Hooray! So it's written, the, the new command line utility is called Cinnamon Spice Updater. It lists available updates and is able to apply them. Uh, so if you want to handle your Cinnamon Spice updates in the command line, you can do that too. So it's not just the update manager. Uh, and this is kind of how apt happened and this is kind of how uh, pretty much everything else happened i guess but anyway lots of other improvements tons of stuff i won't bore you with the rest of it uh go take a look there's some links in the show notes go take a look at all of that what i did wanted uh what i did want to see 
is uh, if there was anything special in the Mate version. We were talking about that second ago with Tony, and I wanted to see what's new, and it's probably all the same. Look at that. Same, 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 same. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, it's going to be Mate 1.24, which I think is what it was. So, yeah. Seems like they're getting all of that same junk we've been talking about this entire time. And uh, Mate is just Mate, so it's Mate. <laughs> so not a whole lot of changes, but you'll get the new stuff, the new updating and all that. So, yeah. They all look pretty good, I think. So next up, Rocky Linux 8.4. So if you were one of the refugees or if you were becoming a refugee from CentOS Stream, uh, that's not going to work for you. The second uh, group has finally come up. Rocky Linux was the first to announce they were going to do this. Uh, Alma Linux was the second group that, that announced that they were going to do this, but they were first to market. So Alma Linux has been out for a month or two now, um, 8.4. And Rocky Linux earlier this uh, earlier last week uh, finally did their release. So this is just really good stuff. I'm I'm excited for this. We're gonna find out. Uh, I'm I'm curious to know which one's going to win. So back in the day, there were a bunch, right? There was uh, CentOS, there was Scientific Linux, there was um, oh shoot, there were a couple more. And Scientific Linux had a good following in the scientific community, but CentOS really just ate everybody's lunch. And then once CentOS got uh, brought up by or, or bought up by Red Hat, then I think um, nobody was really worried. I don't think at that time uh, there was a lot of speculation. But and then, you know, the inevitable happened and these groups shot up. So Alma and Rocky and I know there's another one out there. I can't remember its name at the moment, but um, I think it's good. We're going to see where the community flows. I feel like Rocky is going to be where everybody flows. Because that was the grassroots um, thing that sprung up right after the announcements. And it was one of the original CentOS folks that, uh, that started the, the Rocky Linux thing in the first place. So I assume it'll be Rocky Linux. Do you all have any idea? Do you have any guesses as to which one is going to quote unquote win? No. <laughs> yeah, not not really, because it's it's still like too early. You gotta you gotta wait a little while before the when they've been out. You know, no, this is why you like gotta Rocky make literally just you, came out. No, you gotta make uneducated guesses and, right. and to blow this, caution to the wind. This yeah. is can just not guess. January. Yeah. No, no, no. We got it, Joe. Which one's gonna win, Alma or Rocky? Um, Alma. Yeah, Josh. I want to say Rocky, uh-huh. but. I think I'm going to go with Alma just because they were first to market Ooh. and they seem like they got their stuff together. I mean, they have extra they stuff do. on top of what they're doing to improve CentOS. So they that's what do. I'm saying. Tony? Do I care? No. <laughs> I assume you do not, which is why you should make an uneducated guess and it doesn't matter if you're wrong. Well, I'll go with Rocky because uh, yes. that's the, the, that's the guy who originally set it up. Yeah. <laughs> yes, the winner is Centos. I agree with that. Ah, uh, yeah. I, I think Rocky too, but there, there's some there's some trouble at 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 well, not really trouble even. Uh, so all Linux, the way that they the way that they got set up was a 5013C nonprofit, right? I mean, which is what you expect from a lot of open source groups and things like that, especially when you're dealing with enterprise stuff. So you can kind of give that impression that you're not going to be beholden to corporate interests or money, right? And Rocky Linux went the other way with that. They're a private company, essentially. Uh, I've, I've, class B, something or another. I can't remember what I read. 
but um, they're a more private company. A company owns the names and trademarks and everything else. Not that that would really influence anything, but I feel like the word, um, you know, private is, is, I don't know, make you scratch your head just a little bit. But honestly, I still think Rocky's going to win just because they were, they were the true grassroots. But um, I guess time will tell, as Josh says. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. Anyway, Elementary OS 6, Odin Beta 2. So another beta. Um, yeah. So Elementary OS 6, Beta 2. I think a lot of it uh, still looks the same. Oh, my goodness. Okay. I, I have a real question. Look at, look at this. Look, look at that little... Does Elementary OS still maintain that they are not a... And I don't want to say copy because copy is too much. But re-implementation. Right. I mean, how far away from Mac OS are they trying to be? Because uh, they have an, an animation of their installer. As it's going across, it has that little flow thing that Mac created back in like OS X Tiger. And um huh. So Yeah, you're uh you're right. <laughs> is it? I don't know. I mean, honestly, regardless of if it's a if it's a straight carbon copy, it doesn't matter. It still looks good. Uh it still looks really good. I tried beta one. I haven't tried beta two, but in beta one, things looked really, really nice. I mean, their font choices. I think we're top notch. I think Linux Mint might even consider a uh, a peek over the edge to see some of these font choices. It looks fantastic. Um, another blow to old Snapify. Um, elementary OS goes with Flatpak as well as well as Pop OS. So um, yeah, D- does anybody else besides Ubuntu and its flavors ship with Snap on by default? I. You mean like major distros, like not that's maintained by like one person or any, any? anything I that think, actually I ships with it on? You can snap, right. install something out of the box. Just Ubuntu, I, as far as I know. But yeah, uh, yeah. does it really matter? I mean, considering how easy it usually is, other than with Arch, to install Snap. I mean, the first time you run across something that's only available in a Snap or that works better in a Snap or has a more updated version, you're going to do a simple install of Snap, and it's there. Right. I think what we do... the Snapcraft website, so... I think what we do, though, as as nerds, is overestimate how much people care, like, a lot. (laughs) And I think people, like, that's, that's the whole reason there's a thing called tyranny of the default is because people don't care enough to change the default, so the default is what everybody uses. So if Snap if, is not if, in by no. default, that's not okay. what anybody uses. If that were true, then Firefox would be ruling the world. It's not default in anything except for Linux, and Linux is 1%. Yeah. Right. But across Linux, then, Firefox would be more popular than Chrome, and I don't think that's actually the case. No, it, not not anywhere. But what I'm, what I'm getting at but is Linux that... Linux are more nerdy people who like to mess with their systems is what leo's trying to say well I think. Uh, it's yeah. it's kind of a, it's a little bit of both I, I really don't think people care enough to actually go and install snap unless they really really have to have something that is in snap no other, like get iplayer right i mean that'll force you to go install snap but i mean other than that if they can get all the same software that they normally use they'll not install snap or, now, or in linux mint if you want if you want chrome chromium yeah, right to then, the, you, uh, then you're gonna work out how to install snap d aren't you so you can go and get it no, because Linux somebody Mint packages Chromium it. themselves. Yeah, yep, somebody repackaged yep. it as a deb. 
So yeah. So uh, yeah, Linux Mint themselves, Clem, Clem and Co. handle that. It's just it's good now. Um, but the, the the idea with the desktop thing is that I mean Google does rule the world. Everybody Googles. So what what do you see in the top right hand corner if you're not using Google? Go get Google. It's the best browser ever. You can do whatever you want to. It's the super fastest thing. No matter if all of those are lies, it doesn't matter. <laughs> I mean, they kind of are. But, right? I mean, everybody sees it. Everybody does it because it's it's fairly easy to do. I think uh, searching up snaps and And if you're not using them. the browser, you're using the search engine. Yeah. Because if you're installing right. Snap after the fact, you, it's not integrated into the software center. You can't just go search a Snap. Not in Linux Mint and not in really anything else. So you'd have to do it off in the command yeah, line. Yeah, that's a whole other thing. It's like, is it installed or is it installed in the software center? Right. Like, can you search it in the software center? Do you have to go to the terminal? Because I don't. I think even less play people have it in the software center of their distro. Yeah. Like, I can think of one, and that's um, Manjaro, but that's not a Ubuntu derivative. Mm. I keep forgetting that there is a software center. Yeah. See, and that's the thing, right? Like, we're so nerdy that we forget those things. And, you know, everybody else is just like, I click on the software center anytime I want anything or when I'm trying to do What's my updates or, yeah, exactly. I mean, if you can avoid, I mean, I think in Linux, you can avoid the terminal 99.9% of the time now. Um, so, yeah, it's easy to I, yeah, forget. I, I do the opposite. I avoid this software center. Honestly, I never use the software center. The the switch happened for me. I'm I'm falling in love with the GUI stuff because I can just press a button and watch it go. And Linux Mint's updater gives me enough. It, it gives me the same type of information that I would get from the command line. So I don't have any reason not to use it anymore. And it, it, it's never once failed me. Other than yeah, I've my, had a couple of. Sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I've had a couple of issues with the software center versus the terminal for installing things with um, dependencies. Because, mm. like, when you install Wine with the software center of Mint, it doesn't install all the dependencies and you have to add things after versus you're, if you use apt. You're supposed it, it to install does. the Wine installer, not Wine. Because <laughs> Linux Mint puts that together for you, too, just so right. it'll, it'll handle all that. Uh, okay. Okay. See, I, I just I just used that the software center until I ran into this issue. I always used it before, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, I started having that issue. Yeah. And then I installed it with apt, and it, I never had an issue after that. So. Uh, yeah. Got it. Got it. Mine well, is anyway, probably back. just a function of you know long term habit. It is, and I'm I'm the same way, but it's slowly chipping away at it because it's just so easy and so convenient now. Anyway. And talking about the update manager, I've had the same issue. I've run the update manager through the GUI and then ran updates through Act in the terminal, and I've still got updates to install that haven't been picked up by the GUI. you got to refresh the GUI. That's yeah, the I think deal. it took me a couple of years to switch away from apt-get and start using just apt. Yeah. I, no, it was instant for me because it was colorful. Instant. Like, yep, colors, I want it. I'm using that forever now. This was before all the, uh, all the features were ported over, too. Like, it, it was, you didn't have everything. Anyway, uh, so real quick, uh, I mean, this is kind of what it looks like. It's what the text and everything looks like. And I think it looks fantastic, man. So as far as style, points for style, they get all the points for style. Uh, and I don't know. I guess we'll see how this beta goes. For uh, Points for speed, they get zero points for speed. Absolutely zero. Because <laughs> this is based off of 2004. And I'm not saying that they they have a time limit or anything. But, I mean, when your base was released more than a year ago. Ooh. That uh, you're just running out of support time at that point. Uh, you know, yeah. it's like 
I don't know. Yeah. I, I agree with you there, though. I think, I, I mean, you know, it's like they want to have everything ready and on one side. And on the other side, you should be able to get it out faster. Not with everything ready, but just out faster and then just keep adding things as it goes. Yeah. But like at this point, it's it's like you're just wasting, not wasting time, but you're just eating into that LTS time, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, I, that, that's kind of the stance that Linux Mint takes, right? I mean, like you, you get some features out the door and then you iterate on that. Right. I mean, that's how we have 20 right. and 20.1. Again, that's 20. why I like Right. Yeah. That's why I like Linux, Linux Mint so much because it does it does a lot of things right. Yeah. In that in that aspect. All right. So we're gonna rapid fire these because we're 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 going long again. So Jingpad OS. Uh, we talked about Jingpad a few episodes ago. We were kind of excited about it. I mean, it looked really cool. It looks like I mean, honestly, it looks just like an iPad. Uh, but it's got Linux on it, and it's gonna be as far as I can tell as premium as. A uh, iPad. So the Jingpad A1, they've already they've already rocketed past their crowdfunding um, goal, which was like forty grand. Is that is that what we decided it was? Uh, and they're they're sitting at one hundred two thousand dollars. I mean, they've more than doubled with almost two months to go. So I have a feeling us Linux folks want an, a, a pad of some kind, and this seems to be the promising one. So. My problem with any kind of crowdfunded tablet or crowdfunded hardware is that usually by the time it's crowdfunded and and then the manufacturing process starts, because that's when they get the money to, to be able to do the manufacturing, and, and and then by the time it actually ships out, the hardware is so old that it's not worth it anymore. Right. Yeah. Well, I don't know, man. I mean, unless you want the most powerful thing in the world. Um, well, this is okay. going to last for a while. This isn't going to be as powerful as my um, Dell Latitude 5390 running Linux Mint right now. Well, also, I hope you're not compiling software or transcoding video on this thing either. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't need to be because I think what most people are going to do with it is use it for note taking, um, use it for screencasts and things like that. So it should but be it's okay. A, it's in the advantage of this. A, it's probably going to get supported longer than uh, uh, Android and other tablets. Uh, and B, not, there's probably going to be other Linux ports for it. But. Yes, but not. Uh, I, I I really doubt it's going to outlive a lot of the Apple stuff because the Apple stuff gets supported for five, six, seven years. That's a long time. Android, yeah, they they forget about them. They forget about whatever they make six months after they make it. So totally, yes. I think the point is, is like with tablets like this, the um, with that hardware, because it's open source, because it's community driven, because it's Linux. Then as long as there is an interest in it, there's going to be someone developing yeah. something for the kernel for it. Oh yeah, so the Nexus Five is still supported working. for like all of these branches of everything. It's like the it's like the base model that you need to support. So, I mean, totally, absolutely. But, um, yeah, you're, you're getting into totally nerd tinkerer land at that point, which is fine. But, um, uh, yeah, uh, Nishant mention, mentions uh, Ubuntu Touch as well. So uh, that will be probably a target for Ubuntu Touch as well as soon as they can get their hands on it. That'll be cool. Hey, there's some that kind of well. error on the stream. Oh, no. What does it say? I don't know. I don't have it blown up. Hold up. You don't have it blown Certificate up. trust error. Oh. A calendar contact birthday. I know what. 
I know what that is. Look at my key. All right. Well, uh, one of y'all talk about the Firefox thing, and I'll go fix that. Firefox thing? Anybody know about uh, Firefox 89.0.1 or .0.2? Well, then tell us about it. About all the uh, icons at the top of you know top of your menu and stuff like that going really small and losing the uh, the graphic. Uh, so oh, where's it gone? Just a bit. Oh, the occasional uh, hangs with software web yeah, renderer. But but when you go into your little um, hamburger menu, all the little icons next to the uh, things have gone. So uh, your bookmark and history and all that stuff, they're just uh, in words now, there's no icons there. So uh, yeah, all I uh, see is is uh, in eighty nine dot zero dot two. I see fixed uh, fixed occasional hangs with software web render uh, on Linux. Yeah, yeah that, that, that was that the that was the big thing. So eighty nine dot zero dot one uh, fixed some performance stuff. So I, I imagine I already said that, but yeah, uh, dot two was just a quick fix for Linux. And I haven't seen it come down yet. So, oh wait, no, uh, just kidding. I meant to do that. <laughs> Your error's uh, back. Is it? Uh, really? Yeah. Wow. Oh my god. So it's a, uh, it's a, uh, so it's Nextcloud, right? Oh yeah, it sure is. It's it's Nextcloud, and what is annoying? Yeah. So look, look, you can see me looking at it, looking at me, looking at it. But um, <laughs> yeah, seriously. So the, it's just. Um, I don't know. I guess I just have to accept it. But anyway, it just keeps coming back anyway. So it's it's Nextcloud. I don't have a uh, an actual certificate signed, right? Like uh, it's it's just local. Anyway, just move it off uh, to the side. I did, I did, Joe, <laughs> and then it came back. So I guess it, I guess it tries. It? I I did earlier before the stream before any of this happened. Um, yeah. So I'm gonna go move that again, and uh, we'll see. It's we'll see what fault, happens. Leo. Uh, always is all my fault, man. Come on. <laughs> anyway, so uh, yeah, so the GNOME Shell dash to panel, and I'll be right back. GNOME Shell dash to panel version 43 release with GNOME 40 support. Yeah, I, yeah, I know that's... absolutely nothing about this. Here, let me, let me, I, well, I'm in the same boat as you, Joe. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I actually was using Fedora for a little while for Crowbar Kernel Panic, and I was using GNOME 40, and um, I actually use... Uh, dash to panel a lot with anything above GNOME 40, but since they updated things with GNOME 40, I never I don't have to use it because it works in a way that I don't have to have that. So I didn't really need it even when it got updated. I didn't even need to um, install it at all. Uh, I do have it on Ubuntu here with GNOME 3.38 because I don't like how 3.38 works, but um, I guess it's good for people who like it on 40. I, I don't see the need anymore to use it, but that's just me. <laughs> yeah, and reading here, it supports both X11 and Wayland, which is good. Um, right. And it's similar to the dash to dock. Yeah. But um, it basically makes your panel like Windows. It brings it down to the bottom and sets up your icons so that, or like Mint, I should say. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say I'll have to support Wayland because main no uh, main Ubuntu is going over to Wayland, isn't it? Yeah. Did y'all mention that it looks just like Linux Mint when you turn it on? Yeah, just now. That is hilarious to me. Look at this. Look at this. Tell me that doesn't look exactly like Linux Mint. <laughs> Let's have a look. No, I'm, like, I'm, look. I'm on the show notes at the moment. Just a look minute. here. Just check out the oh, screen yeah. share. 
<laughs> like, come on. <clears throat> There's another one that adds a menu. <clears throat> Excuse me. A menu, and you can have Linux Mint's menu on that, so you can be basically the same thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you can make GNOME look like cinnamon. Basically. Yep. And that's basically Why? what I do on everything above or everything below 40. If it's 3.38, then I make it like that. Then why would you run GNOME at all? Yeah, yeah. why not just run the uh, Cinnamon version? <laughs> yeah. Well, there's, there's, there's more eyes on, on GNOME, I guess. It's, I mean, it's, and, it's a, and it's a safe default. So I totally get it. And uh, Huzi mentioned it's almost like Linux Mint has been doing something right all these years. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, correct. <clears throat> That's why lots of us went over to it when GNOME 3 came out, or even before that, when Unity came out, yeah, and, and, uh, and Ubuntu all, went with Unity. All these crazy things are getting updated all the time, and we still hang around on Mint because it's good. GNOME just spent way too long as um, a, a super heavyweight desktop. I mean, just the resources it used was absolutely insane to the point where basically your computer was useless in a lot of cases. Yeah. All right. Well, let's move on to security update because uh, we're going long again. It's okay. We can blame Joe again for this one. Oh, we will. Don't worry. We got a couple of things in security update. Uh, neither of them are directly Linux related, but um, the first one is uh, an SSID that breaks the Wi-Fi on an iPhone. I don't know that we actually have a fix for this just yet, other than don't. Not yet, as far as I know. Yeah. So if you look on the screen, it's percent %p percent %s percent %s percent %s percent %s percent %n. If you set your SSID to that and just leave it open, anybody with an iPhone that connects up to it, their Wi-Fi will be, at least for now, permanently disabled. <laughs> so they got, uh, you have, you know, whatever your cell phone carrier's internet is. That's pretty much it. Yeah. So I think this is absolutely hilarious. Uh, just came across my feed and uh, I, li- I like to laugh at these things. Because who does this? Like, who who figured this one out? I think that's that's the best part about this is someone was clever enough to put this together and then break a bunch of iPhones. Yeah, that's that's fun. So we'll probably see uh, an iPhone update or something like that come down here pretty quick, fixing whatever bug uh, caused that. And this one is a little more dire because uh, I don't think there's a fix for all of your data is gone. So unless you have backups. And um, Tony reminds us that uh, backups equals backups minus one because this was your backup and it's gone now. So for some reason, oh, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. No, I was just going to say Leo's mantra and I've been following it ever since you first said it. (laughs) Yeah, it's true. Uh, Yeah. So what happened here was uh, these Western Digital MyBook Live devices, right? I mean, they shove them like two or three disks full of drives. I mean, they can get huge, like 12, 16, 20 terabytes, right? But you connect them up to the internet so that you can access your files from anywhere. That sounds like a dream, right? I mean, that's what every NAS in the whole world is trying to accomplish anyway, right? But you're telling me that I can buy a device, just plug it into the internet and plug it into power and then just start moving files to it? I'm sold. Whoops. So... (laughs) Uh, what ends up happening here is, yeah, for some reason, Western Digital or some other actor has sent signals to these devices to just blank themselves. What? 
Why? So, I mean, we're talking, these devices have been around for years. And yeah, the only way to get away from it is to disconnect it from the internet. So it can't accept whatever it's accepting to be able to do this. So uh, I don't know that we have um, a real answer yet. Western Digital says the uh, incident is under active investigation. We do not have any indications of a breach compromise of Western Digital Cloud services or systems. We have determined that some MyBook Live devices have been compromised by a threat actor. In some cases, this compromise has led to a factory reset that appears to erase all data on the device. The MyBook Live device received its final firmware update in 2015. So these devices are really old, and it may be some kind of malicious something that is able to knock on these things and break them. But um, yeah, it's not it's not any kind of update or anything like that. As the as the thing mentioned, 2015 was the last update. So unless it was something hiding in plain sight for six years that just decided to happen today, well, the past couple of weeks, then no, it wasn't Western Digital's direct fault, as in they didn't do it on purpose, but it may very well be a flaw that um, these... Hey, no, if it deletes, like people's heart or deletes people's files without them, you know, providing the permission, then yeah, that's a major problem. Well, right. But what, what, what do a lot of these always boil down to? It's, it's still someone had a, someone had a crappy password. Someone used password one. <laughs> and then they're like, Oh no, my data's gone. Yeah. They it, probably just WD's stole what they fault. wanted and deleted the rest. But why would you have a kind of my cloud uh, storage system if you didn't have an offline backup as well. Exactly. Well, well, because people see this as the backup. And I mean... Uh, yeah, because it's easy. Well, like Leo yeah, was it, saying earlier, it, people are lazy. Yeah. But it right. isn't a backup. This is an easy way to access all your files that you've got stored at home when you're out and about. Mm -hmm. That is not a backup situation. You wouldn't have a MyCloud uh, yeah, system If it's the only place that it's stored, was, then it's not a backup. Right. You're right. No, it isn't. Well, people don't even think about backups in the first place. So that's just a whole nother can of worms. Right. I mean, I, I really feel like, you know, you'll you'll kind of consider that, oh, yeah, well, I have a copy on my laptop and then I'll, you know, put a copy on the MyBook thing or whatever. And then, I mean, right. I think that 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 constitutes a backup and it does work for most people all the time. And, and then your laptop died two years ago and you changed it and you forgot to transfer all the all right. the data around. So there's only one copy. Yeah. So you've only yeah. got one copy of some of the data. Exactly. So, yeah, absolutely. But it's just a shame. Uh, <laughs> anybody that owns one of these things, man, unplug it from the wall, uh, from the, well, from the network. This anyway. is why I make my own NAS and I just uh, SSH into it when I need to. Yeah, don't worry. There'll be a, there'll be a flaw for that one, too. Someone can't randomly update the firmware um, to uh, delete my data. Well, unless you have <laughs> really horrible SSH passwords, right? Uh, true. <laughs> well, or direct hardware access. Yeah. Well, see, I would have been affected by the Ubuntu pseudo thing if anybody had direct uh, hardware access. So that would be bad. Exactly. Well, anyway, yeah. So. Keep an eye. Don't connect up to random weird Wi-Fi things on your iPhone and uh, unplug your Western Digital MyBook Live from the internet. Uh, those are the takeaways for today. <laughs> anyway, we'll move on. The 
announcements, right? Yeah. Time to let y'all know. Uh, nothing, nothing too terribly interesting. Other than our next Mincast episode will be recorded on July 11th, 2021 at 2 p.m. U.S. Central Time. Uh, the Every Time Zone link is going to stay there now and forever. So those will be part of the show notes. Um, those are really great because uh, folks that listen to the podcast don't go to YouTube, so they can't see the uh, you know what's going to happen in the future. So that link will still stay there. I love that link being there. It's fantastic. I can handle that because uh, I actually touch it. I, I physically actually touch it every episode. Um, and then uh, our Saturday stream, the next Saturday stream is going to be on July 3rd, right before those of you in the U.S. are going to celebrate Independence Day. That's that day. So 2 p.m. U.S. Central Time there as well. Got a link for that. Click on that. And uh, you know what? Those of us that are recording from the U.S., so I guess that's everybody but Tony, uh, there might be a lot of noise on that particular stream <laughs> because uh, everybody decides they want to blow up stuff uh, right outside everybody's windows. So, um, Yeah, especially when my neighbor throws fireworks at our oh, house. Oh, yeah, no. See, that's not good. That's, that's really not good. That's when you but, throw mortars uh, back. Right. So, right. So, <laughs> oh, I thought about one it. One of the things that you get in the U.S. is um, cops tend to not respond to those types of complaints like the day before, the day of, and the day after because everybody has so many and there would be way, there's not enough cops. It's just not enough. They got to deal with other stuff. If someone didn't die, they don't care. Exactly. Like, if, if you're not like in imminent danger, they're not, they're not coming. They're not, yeah, they're the not. The first time gonna... one of my neighbors threw firecrackers at my house, they would hate me. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. At 2 a.m., so, guess what? It's going to sound like a whole slew of shotguns are going off in their yard. Uh, yeah. So, well, if I wasn't renting, it would be different. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Rent, but I do, I do like the mortars because it's like you get you get the big boom, but it's not quite as big. But you're doing it. so And you got to run and all that kind of stuff. And I, I really appreciate those. Those are fun. Some fireworks um, manufacturer would be extremely happy that I helped pay for their yacht that year. Yeah. So the the next uh, the next episode, one of us may be coming back without a finger. I don't know. <laughs> we'll have to see. Anyway, that does it for the show. So let's get out of here, Joe. Where can we find more of you? Well, I'm on a couple of other shows. Um, uh, the Linux Link Tech Show. You can find that at uh, tllts.org. I'm on the Linux Lugcast. You can catch that at linuxlugcast.com. You can find me on MeWe. I'm not on there very often anymore, but I still check in every now and again. Or you can send me an email directly, jb at mintcast.org. I do read all of those. And Bo's not here this time, and I think we got to get this uh, updated. But he's on uh, the undercastnetwork.com. You can find him on YouTube, Undercast Collective, and, of course, uh, Crowbar Colonel Panic as well. Though we're kind of we're kind of double double teaming that, so that that uh, premieres on the Mintcast channel. So just follow Mintcast, follow CKP. You'll know on both, and then the edited episodes will come out on the CKP channel. Is that right, Josh? Uh, yep, that's that's about Perfect. right. That's how we're doing it for right Beautiful. now. Beautiful. All right. Anyway, Tony Hughes. Yeah, uh, you can listen to some of my old HPR podcasts. I'm. Uh, on Hacker Public Radio, I'm host ID338. Uh, you can get me on Twitter and TonyH1212. Uh, I'm on th at mintcast.org and distrohoppersdigest at gmail.com. And what about you, Josh? Uh, you can find me at, um, or email me, sorry, at joshontech at mintcast.org. Or you can find me at Josh on Tech on Twitter and most other social sites, as well as uh, Crowbar Kernel Panic with Bo. 
and um, that's about it. All right. Um, and Mike's not here either. Oh man, he was uh, he was gonna come on. And he was gonna tell us uh, a lot about some cool stuff, but then mm, ended up getting sick. So you can get him at Mike at Mincast.org and Grouchy M on both Discord and Telegram. As for me. LeoChavez.org and at LeoChavez on Twitter, uh, Leo at C.im on Mastodon, LinuxUserspace.show for another show, or, you know, yeah, that's about it. So go find me on one of those things. But before we leave, we want to make sure to acknowledge some of the people who make Mintcast possible. Owen Peary for our audio editing. Josh Lowe for all his work on the website. Hobstar for our logo. InitRD for the animated Discord logo. It's so cool. Bling. And Londoner for our time sync. ByteMark Hosting for hosting Mintcast.org in our mumble server. Archive.org for hosting our audio files. HPR for our backup mumble room. Maybe. Sort of. Kind of. Maybe. And the Linux Mint development team for the fine distro we love to talk about every single fortnight. Thanks, Glenn. Thanks, Glenn. <laughs> this has been another episode of the Mintcast podcast. The show notes for this episode are at mintcast.org. You can send us email at mintcast at mintcast.org. You can find more information about Linux Mint at www.linuxmint.com. You can follow both Mintcast and Linux Mint on Twitter, at Mintcast and at Linux underscore Mint. Thanks to Mark Blasco at podcastthemes.com for our theme music, and thanks for listening to this episode of the Mint. Stopping my recording. So I've been monitoring my CPU temperature this whole time, and it's, I'd say it's probably like 85 in my room right now because I closed the door and there's no AC, and it's sitting at about 58, 56. Wait, your, your CPU is? Oh, okay. I'll check. I'll, 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 but right before I kill the stream, I'll, I'll crack open P-Sensor and we'll see what it says.